My name is Joe Hawkins, and this is the History of the Mormon Church in 50 Objects podcast. Hey there. Welcome back to the History of the Mormon Church in 50 Objects, Episode 6, Book of Mormon. The decade around the 1830s produced some of the best classical novels of all time. Just to name off a few of the classics written in that time, we have Oliver Twist, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, The Little Mermaid, Frankenstein, The Last of the Mohicans, Legend of Sleepy Hollow, and The Night Before Christmas. Object number six in our series was produced at the same time as all of these classics, the Book of Mormon. Now, the Book of Mormon is probably the most recognizable object we're going to be discussing in this series, and with good reason. It's been printed over 150 million times. It's been translated in over 110 languages, with the Mormon Church announcing 34 more languages coming this year. It's been the subject of movies, books, and inspired an award-winning musical. So, how did all of this get started? The year we're going to be discussing is 1830. Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery have completed the translation of the gold plates, applied and received a copyright of the Book of Mormon, the official name of the translated book, and are now ready to take it to print. So, here's the challenge. Palmyra in 1830 is considered the western frontier. Although it's a growing city, Joseph needed to find a printer willing to take on this project. To give you an idea of the scope of what Joseph Want accomplished for the Book of Mormon, most books being printed at this time were in batches of a couple hundred to maybe a thousand for a first edition. For example, in this same year in France, the very accomplished writer-poet Victor Hugo had copyrighted his masterpiece, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Hugo was a famous writer with a committed following, so after reading the script, the printer was willing to aggressively print 1,100 copies. So with that context in mind, we get an idea of just how energetic Joseph Smith was when he approached printers with the endeavor of printing 5,000 first edition copies. Call it chance, fate, or miracle, but there just happened to be a young, enterprising printer in Palmyra who could accomplish such a task. Egbert Grandin was introduced to Joseph Smith by Martin Harris. This was just the type of project Grandin was initially looking for, However, he then turned Joseph Smith down as he didn't want to be associated to the Book of Mormon as he didn't believe its claim. Then a couple of things happened to change his mind. Joseph began speaking to printers in Rochester who were willing to take on the job. Rochester wasn't ideal due to its location, so Martin told Grandin that it was happening no matter what. Grandin was also convinced by his family that nobody would fault him for taking on such a big, high-paying job, so he agreed to go forward with the print. So, they've now got the printer. How are they going to pay for it? Grandin estimated the cost of the Book of Mormons at $3,000. Here is where Martin Harris truly proves his mettle in believing Joseph Smith. After the debacle of the 116 pages, Martin finally had the opportunity to see and touch the gold plates, which seemed to fortify his testimony, and he recommitted to financial support. Now, Grandin wouldn't begin the process of printing the Book of Mormon until he had a promise to ensure payment. So to cover the costs of the printing up front, Martin mortgaged his successful farm. 
Now, if you'll remember in episode 4, Martin's wife was worried about him spending all their money on this work. This move seemed to be the final nail in the coffin in their marriage. Also, initial sales of the Book of Mormon after printing didn't move as fast as they had hoped, and Martin was forced to sell off a large portion of the farm. Martin sacrificed more financially than anyone else in the first days of the church to ensure this work would go forward. So the arrangements were made and Grandin is ready to start printing the Book of Mormon. Now, Joseph returned home to Harmony, Pennsylvania, leaving his brother Hiram and Oliver Cowdery to supervise the printing. Joseph was concerned about the security of the translated manuscript having lost 116 pages earlier in the translation process. His mother recorded the measures they took to safeguard the manuscript during the printing. They were roughly as follows. First, that Oliver Cowdery should transcribe a copy of the translated manuscript for Grandin. Second, that only one copy should be taken to Grandin's at a time so that if it was destroyed, there would still be a copy remaining. And third, that in going to and from the office, Oliver and Hiram should always have a guard by way of protecting the manuscript. Lastly, that a guard should be kept constantly on watch both night and day about the house to protect the manuscript from malicious persons who may want to destroy it. All of this was done during the entire printing process. So the typesetting for the printing was Oliver's transcribed manuscript, and the original translated manuscript was to remain with Joseph Smith for safekeeping. Hiram took up the work of visiting Grandin almost daily to oversee the printing process. Now, the printing process at that time was slow and very labor-intensive. A typesetter had to place each letter into a tray by hand. To complicate matters, the original manuscript included no punctuation or paragraphing. Hiram permitted the typesetter and Oliver Cowdery to add the punctuation and the paragraphing. Once each letter and punctuation mark was in place, the type was inked and large sheets of paper were placed in a frame and positioned over the type. They then pulled a lever and pressed the heavy iron plate onto the paper and type. This process was repeated 5,000 times, and each sheet was hung to dry. Then the process was repeated for the reverse side of those sheets. The resulting 16 pages which were created from those sheets were folded and sewed into the book and trimmed to size when it was bound. The 16-page unit was called a signature, and the Book of Mormon included about 35 signatures in each book. According to one study, it took 11 hours a day, 6 days a week, excluding Sundays and holidays, for 9 months to print the 5,000 copies of the first edition. At nearly 600 pages per copy, that is nearly 3 million pages. So quite a labor-intensive work. Now, a couple of notes about this first edition of the Book of Mormon. The testimonies of the three and eight witnesses to the gold plates were also printed and placed at the end of the Book of Mormon. They wouldn't be moved to the front of the Book of Mormon until 1837. Also, in the first edition, Joseph appears on the title page as author and proprietor. This is because the law at the time required that anyone who applied for a copyright must be the author and the proprietor. It wouldn't be until 1837 that they'll change that wording to translator to lessen confusion. Now, as this work is going on, people all over Palmyra had heard about the Gold Bible, as they called it, and were anxiously waiting to see what this was all about. 
Months before the first edition was finalized, portions of the Book of Mormon started leaking into a local Palmyra newspaper called The Reflector, along with criticisms by the paper's owner of the Book of Mormon. It turns out the owner of the newspaper, who was also using Grandin's press, was entering the press at night and stealing portions of the printed Book of Mormon. So Joseph Smith confronted him and claimed his copyright, and the story goes that they almost came to blows. In the end, the newspaper was forced to withdraw and return all the stolen portions of the Book of Mormon. So the printing of the Book of Mormon is finished, and first editions are ready to go on sale. It was priced at $1.50 per copy, a steal considering a first edition of the Book of Mormon sold in 2007 at auction for $180,000. Now at this time, local groups began boycotting the Book of Mormon, which is why Martin Harris had some difficulties selling them locally. The boycott did little, though, to stop the spread of the Book of Mormon, as books were sold and placed by missionaries and began to land everywhere in the state and up through Canada. The message of the Book of Mormon was like a bomb, exploding into households and converting thousands of people over the upcoming years as to the truthfulness of Joseph Smith's claims. So, what does the Book of Mormon talk about? The Book of Mormon, like the Bible, is broken up into books containing the writings of ancient prophets. Like the Bible, it originates in Jerusalem, but then details the story of a family leaving and coming to the Americas. Most of the Book of Mormon details about 800 years of time, and the climax being Jesus Christ visiting the people of the Americas after his resurrection. Although many people call it the Gold Bible, it's considered by Mormons to be a companion to the Bible, affirming Jesus Christ's gospel. So what was the impact of the Book of Mormon and its role on the history of the Mormon Church. As these first editions landed in homes all over New York, one of those was Brigham Young, the future successor to Joseph Smith as leader of the Mormon Church. Right after publication, Joseph's brother Samuel, we discussed him in the last podcast episode, showed up in Menden, New York, and gave a copy of the Book of Mormon to Phineas Young, Brigham's brother. It went through the family and eventually landed with Brigham, and would lead to him joining the church in the upcoming years. Mormon prophets will call the Book of Mormon the keystone to their religion. I think I liked this quote from Ezra Taft Benson, one of their prophets, the best. We do not have to prove the Book of Mormon is true. The book is its own proof. If you'd like to see a copy of the Book of Mormon for yourself, it's sold at most bookstores. You can read it for free online at lds.org, or if you're like me and you like holding a physical copy of a book in your hands, you can request one for free from lds.org. It'll even be hand-delivered by two teenagers. So where are we at in our story of the history of the Mormon Church? The priesthood is now restored, and Joseph and Oliver are baptizing believers. Joseph Smith has translated additional scripture to accompany the Bible It was now time to organize the church. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode on the Book of Mormon. If you have questions or comments, you can reach out to me directly at joehomchistoryofmormonchurch at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.